Turn in your Bibles with me to John. When, uh, when somebody makes a statement and they say, I am, and then they include something after that, it tells you a little bit about them. I'm going to read you a couple statements, and you kind of work through this. Do I need to change mics? <laughs> Do I need to change mics? No? <laughs> okay. We're fighting some EQ issues. When, when someone says, I am sad, what goes through your mind about that person? When they say, I am lonely, I am in love, I am in debt, I am hungry, I am gaining weight, I am losing weight. You don't hear that very often, do you? I am fired, oh no. I'm about to get a new job. I am speeding. I'm flying out tomorrow. I'm on the way. I am in charge. I am in control. I am underneath. I am upstairs. I'm over here. What goes through your mind when somebody says, I am whatever? When someone says, I am a Christian, what goes through your mind? Depending on where you're at in our nation, I am a Christian could either be a negative or it could be a positive. It reveals something about that person's identity, about the core of their being, what they believe in, about what's most important to them. So this morning in John, Christ tells us seven I am statements. It identifies with Christ. When Christ says these I am statements, we better pay close attention because he's pulling back the curtain and he's identifying who he is to us, his glorious character. He's telling us something profoundly important about Christ. And with that in mind, let's spend some time savoring on these seven I am statements. I have a note here that I forgot to read. It's about Pastor Brooks. Many of you are wondering where he's at and how he's doing. I texted him this morning. He is still recovering. He feels a little better, but he's not up to par. Can we continue to pay for our, our pastor? Let's pray for him right now. To Heavenly Father, we ask that you touch our, our leader our pastor, our shepherd of this congregation, Father, right now. We know that the shed blood that we, we sang about this morning was for him and his healing. Lord, we ask that you touch him right where he is. Lord, anoint his body, Father, with your shed blood. The stripes on, on your body, Father, were for our healing. Lord, we claim the healing stripes for him today. In your mighty, most precious name we pray. Amen. The first I am statement is found in John 6, 35. I'll read it to you. I believe it'll be on the screen. As I am the bread of life, he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. The original hearers of this I am statement were the disciples. He was talking directly to them. And just previously, a couple days before this, Jesus had fed 5,000 people on a sack lunch from Captain D's. 
with five loaves and, and two fishes. He fed 5,000 people. It was a miraculous time. The disciples also were very, very reversed and, and, and heard about many stories about how the Israelites, when they were freed from the Egyptians, they would go out each morning and pick up bread that was on the ground. So they knew about bread. Maybe you could say that they had bread on the brain. I believe uh, I read one author who talks about this bread that Christ is talking about, and he said back then in those days, bread was the main course of the meal sometimes. The bread was the sustenance. I believe today you might kind of change that up a little bit and you could say that it's the steak of life that Christ is trying to be to us. Everybody likes a steak meal, right? Jesus tells them not to long for a physical bread and if the bread is provided by God himself, rather they are to long for and live for the bread that comes from heaven and gives life to the world what is this bread christ tells us it's himself it's just like a physical bread that satisfies our deepest hunger and cravings so jesus satisfies the longings of our hearts he is the one that fills us to our deepest joys and our most satisfying pleasures hollywood and athletes professional athletes we see time and time again they try to fulfill their lives through money and, and possessions and toys. Without Jesus, even the most sumptuous pleasures of life of this world are empty and unsatisfying. But with Jesus, we can be content even in the midst of poverty. As a, a man named Charles Spurgeon, he's known as the Prince of Preachers. And he says... I have heard some of a, a good old woman in a cottage who had nothing but a piece of bread and a little water, living up, lifting up her hands, and she says, with this bread and this water, what? I have it all, and Jesus too. The woman in the cottage truly understood what it meant that Jesus is the bread of life. He has satisfied her even though that's all she had. The second I am statement comes to us in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus' I am statement that he is the bread of life is a profound reminder to us that only our only hope for joy and satisfaction is in him. He truly is the bread of life. But this statement about Jesus being the light of the world. Consider for a moment all the light that we talk, hear about in Scripture. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. He also led the children of Israel with a blazing fire. And after Moses beheld the glory of the Lord, he came down and back to the Israelites and his face shone so brightly that they had to cover it with a veil. Scripture tells us that God dwells in an unapproachable light. And yet here again, we see Jesus in a whole different category. Altogether, he's telling us that he is the spiritual light for anyone who follows him. Those who don't know Christ, they walk in darkness stumbling on landmines of sin and death. 
They don't walk in the path of peace and joy and righteousness. They do what is right in their own eyes. Their sin-blinded eyes. But we, we as believers in Christ, know Him as the light of the world. He shines in our heart and God opens his eye, our eyes and behold the glory of Christ. Now we walk in a good, well-lit path by God. Aren't you glad that Jesus is the light of the world? Aren't you grateful that even though we were once blind, now we see? Number three, John 10, 7. Most assuredly, Jesus is saying, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Time and time again in the Old Testament, God calls Himself the shepherd of His people. God is the good and faithful shepherd of all the people. He keeps a vigilant, zealous watch over us as sheep. When Jesus says that He is the door of the sheep, He's making a startling claim about Himself. He's saying that the only way to be part of God's people is through Him. There are not many paths or many doors to God. There is a single door to God, and that door is Jesus Christ. The glorious good news is that when we embrace Jesus as our joy and our treasure, we enter through Him to God's people. And when we become part of God's people, God Himself is our great shepherd. God is your shepherd, church. Isn't that precious and sweet news? He's guiding you, keeping watch over you, caring for you, providing for you, and you have entered into God's people through the door of Christ. And now you have the living God as your shepherd. And you can say with David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The fourth I am statement comes to us in John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. This is such a glorious and affection-stirring truth that Jesus is the door. And entering through him, I become God's treasured sheep. Jesus is also the good shepherd. I desperately need a shepherd to guide me, to lead me, to direct me. And to pull me out of my sin when I'm approaching sin. I need a shepherd to vigilantly watch over me as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And more than anything else, I need a shepherd who will sacrifice his own life to save mine. A shepherd who will lay down his life in order to purchase me for his very own. Jesus is all of those things and so much more. Aren't you grateful that Jesus is your shepherd. He cares about every detail of your life, no matter how mundane it may be. Everything you experience must first pass through the loving hands of your shepherd. John Piper, author, he says, I might indeed have to lack many things in following the shepherd, but I will never lack anything the shepherd thinks is good for me. Psalms 84 says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Jesus is your good shepherd, church. You can absolutely be sure that he won't withhold anything that is good for you. How sweet news is that? Number five, 
John eleven twenty five. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Jesus' I am statement here goes far beyond promising an eternal life to all those who believe in him. That's certainly included. But Jesus says that in the resurrection and the life, he's saying this explosive resurrection power that brought him out of the grave is found in him. That he is the master over death. That all that believe in him will someday experience a bodily resurrection. Our eternal destiny is not souls without bodies, but we will have a resurrected body one day. When Christ returns, we will receive a new glorious, imperishable resurrection body. Only Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, has the power to make this happen. It's Jesus who will bring these words to pass in 1 Corinthians 15. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible has put on incorruption and the mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death! Where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you overwhelmingly grateful for a Savior named Jesus who will give you a new, imperishable, immortal resurrection body one day? He truly is the resurrection and the life. Number six, John 14, six, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is gloriously inclusive and wonderfully exclusive. Jesus invites everyone to come to the Father so that they may receive eternal life. Jesus invites everyone to come to the Father so that we can have eternal life and experience the power of the resurrection, know God as our shepherd, and walk in brilliant light that Jesus can only provide. But Jesus also offers himself as the only way to experience the incredible realities of eternal life. There are not many paths to God, as our world would say. There are not many roads to a divine mountain, but Jesus, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Salvation runs exclusively through him and offers it freely to all. This makes Jesus infinitely worthy of our praise. He is God's only solution for our sin problem, and for that reason deserves all the praise in all the glory. This past week has been kind of difficult for me. I've heard some different news about you as congregants, people in our church hurting through situations going on in their lives. I've kind of carried some of that weight as our pastoral staff have helped several of you through difficult situations. And that weight becomes heavy. And then several weeks ago, Pastor had asked me to speak on this Sunday morning and carrying the weight of speaking in front of you is also a heavy burden. 
the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And most of the time, he comes to do that through our minds. This past week, I believe it was Wednesday, I was carrying a cloud of darkness around me and surrounding me, telling me I wasn't worthy to come and speak before you today. I had carried it all day, and one of our board members was here at the church late at night. We were closing up the church and turning off the lights, and I shared with one of our board members and asked him to pray for me. It's important that we can ask one of our board members to pray for us, isn't it, church? I told him how I'd been carrying these burdens on me, and it was, it was a weight that was heavy upon me. And I turned to him, and I, I said, can you pray for me? And he said, boy, Dave, he said, I've been down those roads that you're, you're going through right now. And he told me about a situation a few years ago where he had had a heavy burden on him, and he was going through this difficult time. And he found himself in an empty house. A tragic accident had happened, and they had was, was taking everything out of the house, and the house was empty, and he was getting it ready to sell. And he felt the enemy just coming and surrounding him. He said, it was like I could feel the enemy there in that house with all that had happened. And he said, when I found myself amongst this enemy who was surrounding me and coming against me mentally, he said, I stopped for a moment in this living room that was empty. And he said, I got down on my knees. And he said, I began to point around the room because he felt like the enemy was there. And he said, you may be coming against me, but I'm going to come against you right now. Scripture tells us that we must worship God. And when we begin to worship God, where does the enemy go? He must flee. I've asked Pastor Henry to begin to play some, some music behind me during this part of the sermon. We're going to have our opportunity to worship. Part of, part of this body of believers is hurting. And I believe that if we worship God, that the enemy must flee. The last and seventh I am statement, it says that he is the vine. And you, church, are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. What is this fruit? It's when you're hurting deep down inside and you can share the fruit with someone who is hurting. This fruit gives life. It comes from the source of life, Jesus Christ. Has there ever been a clearer statement about a life-giving power of Jesus? Our absolute dependence is upon Him. Just as the branch can't survive, if it's not connected to the vine, so we can't survive if we don't have that connection with Christ. Spiritual life courses through our Christ. And as long as we are connected to Christ, His spiritual life also flows through us. Isn't that absolutely mind-boggling that He can give us this life? Because we are in Christ, the life of Christ Himself is within us. We truly do have access to the divine, the world-changing power of Christ. 
the opposite reality may be true as well. And apart from Christ, we can absolutely do nothing with our own power. It is through Him who is able, more than able to give us. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can honor our God. The implication is absolutely that we must stay close to Christ. How? We must regularly draw near to Him. Through prayer, through Bible reading, through fellowship with like-minded believers. And Jesus is the true vine. And when we abide in Him, we bear much fruit. We neglect Him, we shrivel up. Christ's legacy, stand with me. Every Sunday we have the opportunity to worship. We come in Sunday morning ready to worship. Can I remind you that this is what we're supposed to be doing, is worshiping our God. It was what we were created to do. So Pastor Henry's going to sing a song. Let's sing with him. that song it's difficult not to go on I just want to remind you of these seven statements they're not intended to be mere intellectual knowledge or that they should motivate us to worship the first one he is the bread that satisfies our deepest longings he is the light that shines on the path of righteousness he is the door into the people of God. He is the good shepherd who cares for the people of God. And He is our hope and our resurrection. He is the only way to God. And He is the vine through which we experience the power of God. Turn in your Bibles with me to John.